All right, well, hey, good morning, church. How's everybody? Everybody good? You awake still? All right. Come on, can we thank God for our, the heart of our worship team today? Come on, thank the Lord for these passionate worshipers. I get encouraged uh, and inspired when I just look up and I just can feed off of their desire and passion for, for Jesus. It inspires me uh, to want to be a greater lover of the Lord. And so it's one of the great things about coming together as, a, as the body of Christ and corporately as the church. Well, everybody's making their way back to their seats um, this morning. Listen, uh, we're continuing in our series called Lost and Found uh, today. And uh, we spent uh, last, the last two weeks uh, having 14 days of prayer. And it really revolved around and centered on praying for uh, the lost to be found. And for healing, for deliverance in many of our loved ones' lives, friends uh, that, we, that we know of. And so we've, we've been putting names on, on these lost and found cards. And we've been declaring uh, scripture over them. It's been one of the thematic scriptures of this whole series in Luke 15, 32. Which we plan to actually get to that entire story next week. Uh, the, the parable of the prodigal son. But um, lots of you have uh, had an overwhelming response to filling out names of, of, of card on the cards. And Lindsay, how many, how many did we kind of think? Uh, and was, uh, that, that equal to about, uh, about 150 actual names uh, that we've been praying for. We've been pray, pray as a staff every week together. Uh, and last week as a church, we closed our service by gathering around this lost and found table, uh, just laying our hands on these cards, representing, representing over 150 names of people who need the hand of God to touch them, bring them back from their running away, and heal them in the midst of their peril, deliver them in the midst of their chains. And how many of you believe that that's the kind of God, and that is the God we serve today, amen? That though at times in life we can feel a little uh, distant, we can feel a little meh, kind of, but we have to hold to the fact and hold to the word of God that we were encouraged in this morning, that God is a promise Filler. He will not let us down. He always fulfills what he says he's going to do. And so we're, we're, we, I would just encourage you, uh, if you have not had an opportunity to take advantage of filling out the card, putting a name of someone that you're praying for and believing God for, add that to the mix of this body, this family, as we continue to pray over the next couple of weeks. It's not too late. The end of service, come and grab a card, fill it out, drop it in the lost and found bucket. And again, we pray every week as a church staff over these names and your loved ones and friends. So we're continuing in that series. We've uh, got today and planning on next week wrapping it up, but it's lo called Lost and Found. Let me invite you to open up your Bibles with me to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah, a little small book. If you go, if you're not sure where that is, if you'll go to Matthew and go back about, go book back eight books, you'll get to the book of Jonah. And the first one there gets $100. Uh, I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, are you there? I was there before you said, Ju I was led by the Spirit. I knew where you were going today. So, uh, The book of Jonah. While you're going to the book of Jonah, we're gonna, I'm going to go to um, a different part of Scripture in Luke 15. It's not the same one we've been reading every week, but this is the beginning of what leads up to the prodigal son story. And this is called the parable of the lost sheep. I think you can follow with me on the screen as you mark your place there in your Bibles in Jonah chapter 1. 
Luke 15, verse 1, the parable of the lost sheep reads this way. It's Jesus talking and describing. He says, hey, to these tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach, as Luke was saying. He said, this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people and even eating with them. <gasps> How dare Jesus do that? So Jesus told them this story. He said, hey, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost and go, uh, that is lost until, let me get back on track here. Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Verse 5, and when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders, and when he arrives, he will call together his friends and his neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found the lost sheep, my lost sheep. And in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Let's pray. God, you've brought us together in your name and in your presence that we acknowledge and we are thankful for. Your presence is good. Your presence is safe. Your presence is reassuring. Your presence is life-changing. And add that with your word, God, it leads our life. It guides us. And it brings transformation to the areas of our life that need to be touched and changed by your gracious hand. Today, Holy Spirit, as we open your words, speak to us, fill our spirits full, and help us to digest what it is you're speaking today. Work it into our lives, and then let our lives work it out in this world as we aim to love other people and to show them hope in Jesus Christ. We thank you now for what you have to say to us all, and we are ready and anticipating with a joyful and listening ear and heart. In Jesus' name, and everybody who wants that can say, Amen. Amen. Listen, the last few weeks in this series, Lost and Found, we've been looking at this idea of lost and found through the lens of it not being so much about a destination as it is about a condition, the condition of our souls, the condition of our hearts. And we've asked this question, what is the condition of my soul? And we discovered, as we looked at the book of Judges, through a, different, through a few different leaders and judges that God had set up at that time, there were some, several contributing factors that have an impact and an effect on our soul. So we were looking at that. Today, what we're going to do, we're going to take a turn down this journey of this lost and found idea and series, and we're going to look at the heart of God towards us in a message that I've titled, the process of second chances. The process of second chances. I don't know about you, but I have a feeling that most, if not all, would say, um, if given a second chance, we would take it. Especially when we, when we failed. Especially when we feel like uh, we didn't give it our all. Maybe it was a test. Those in school can say, man, I did not study like I should have. I know I could have gotten a better grade. Amen, teacher. Can you give me a second chance, right? 
Or maybe it was a project and a, and a responsibility at, at work, and you just, you just are like, yeah, I, I'm not going to stay late and help there. I'm not going to come early and do that. I'm just kind of get by. And, and the project did not turn out as well as your boss had hoped, and he's looking at everybody around the table and around the room, and he sees you, and he's like, it's you. You're the one. You screwed this up. You messed this up. And however your boss talks to you, I don't know, but, uh, and you're like, well, Mr. Boss, could, or Mrs. Boss, could I have a second chance, right? Because I, I will do better. I, your job's on the line, right? Your grades are on the line. Your grounding is on the line. Um, you can't use your phone anymore is on the line. And we go through with serious withdrawals, right, uh, when you don't have your cell phone. Uh, some, some of us think that and believe that. But anyway, um, we, we, all, we all want second chances, uh, it feels good to get a second chance. If we could, some of us could live in this idea sometimes and think perhaps I found myself there before. If I could just go back and I could have that opportunity again, I would have said it this way or I would have addressed it this way or I would have handled it this way. I would have chosen to do it this way because hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> that's 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 the downside. But there is a process called, uh, that God has, uh, it's called second chances. And I think to illustrate that point further, Jonah lays out a great picture of, of that. Uh, but you've got to take to heart, and you've got to know this first and foremost, and that is what Luke 15, the parable of the lost sheep, teaches us. That is the heart of God. How many of you, with, you have a hundred sheep and one strays, would you not leave this safe 99 and go and get the one and that's the heart of God and that's the heart of Jesus the, sh the great chief shepherd he searches for the lost sheep until he finds it and when he finds the lost sheep he joyfully carries it on his shoulders because the sheep that has wandered and is lost is tired and it's weary and it's not sure that he can back home on its own so Jesus comes picks up the lost sheep carries it home joyfully. And when he gets home, he doesn't put the sheep in the corner and say, bad sheep. <laughs> he calls his friends and his neighbors and like, I got it. The one is back. I'm throwing a party. Let's celebrate. Why? Because that is the heart of God. The heart of God rejoices that way over us. And the heart of God searches for us. The heart of God looks for us. The heart of Jesus goes after us and searches for us until we're safe again at home where we belong, where we can find him, where we have found others in the like mind and faith. And we have found really our true selves when we're at home with God. He desires us to be found in him and with him because he is the God of second chances. He is the God of second chances. And so let's look at Jonah's life for a few minutes here. And we're going to look at this thing called the process of second chances. Let's look at this. Jonah 1 verse 1 says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah. And he said, The Lord said, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. God speaks to Jonah and he gives Jonah a purpose. And like Jonah, you and I, we have a purpose from God. We're on this earth for a reason. We've been given the privilege of life for a reason, and it comes with a purpose attached to it. 
ultimately and chiefly to connect and walk with God, to honor God in, in our life and how we live our life, to point back to, to Him and say, this is because of Him, etc., and ultimately to fulfill the plan that He has for each and every one of our lives. There's a purpose involved in us. And so, um, like Jonah, though, and, and Jonah did, um, we, we find out what happened with Jonah. Let's see what he did with this purpose. Verse 3, it says, But Jonah got up, went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord, and he went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Verse 4, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. And in all this time, Jonah was found asleep in the hold. Verse 10. The sailors were terrified when Jonah spoke to them and told them, hey, that he, has, he was running away from the Lord. And they said, oh, why? Why did you do this? And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? And eventually ends up, Jonah is being, he gets tossed out over the side of the boat into the raging sea. And here's the thing, uh, first and foremost, about, about this part of Jonah's story. He, I, I would present to us today that Jonah is that one sheep out of the hundred that strayed, or that was trying to stray, that was wandering away from the Lord and his purpose. And some of us, we, we might not be straying and running from the relationship aspect of, of the Lord, but we're running from our purpose because we understand that our purpose requires something of us. Our purpose requires that we be changed. Our purpose requires that we treat life in a certain way of responsibility as it pertains to the purpose that God has for our life. It requires that we live a certain way. It requires that we act a certain way. It requires that we walk in life a certain way because it's attached not only to the relational aspect of God, but it's attached to the purpose of God for our life. Therefore, as a preacher, I can't just go and do whatever I want to do and get away with it because I'm responsible for many people. And for you, you can't just go and do what you want to do because you also are responsible for other people. And so here's what happened with Jonah. It said Jonah went in the opposite direction. So I guess you could say about Jonah was this, is he was running from God. He was running from God is what he was doing. He was running from his purpose. And the, and the scripture teaches us here in Jonah what happened to Jonah. First and foremost, it said that he went down to the port at Joppa. Friends, anytime you and I try to run from the Lord, it will always take us down always take us down. Oh, we may get by for a while. We may get to do what we want to do for a season. Uh, we, we may think, man, we're in the clear because I'm just kind of coasting. I'm doing what I want to do. But listen, if it's not in the direction of God and what he has for your life, eventually you, will, you and I will go down. Running from the Lord will eventually lead to a downward spiral. But then also, it said Jonah then bought a ticket to get on a ship. It costs something. Running from the Lord will cost us something. Running from God will cost us something. It'll cost us our time more than we were willing to give up. That's why often you hear people say, man, if I could just go back in, time. It will cost us our treasure, our money. 
We'll spend more and waste more in places that we didn't intend to. And we'll look back and think, where did all this go? Right? Running from God will cost us our, our talents, our treasures, our, our, excuse me, our gifts. What God has put inside of you, what the potential he's placed in you, and the gifting and the talent of God on the inside of you is instead of being used for the glory of God, is used for the glory of man. And it's wasted. Oh, you might get, you might get accolades, you might get plaques, you might get hand claps, you might get recognized by people, but if it is not done in the name of God and for the Lord and the purpose he has, it eventually will fade and tarnish and it will not cross over the, the line of eternity to carry on into the next one. It'll fade. So, we see running from God, running from the purpose of God, man, it doesn't do us any good. Oh, we think it will because we're chasing after something and we're not wanting to do something because of what it requires of us. But let's see what happens. And this is probably this part of Jonah that most of us remember and most of us have been taught. And, and in fact, my little preschooler was just taught this a few weeks ago in her, in her class at school that about this story of Jonah being swallowed by a big fish. And that's probably the aspect we know about Jonah. And so here's what happened. He was thrown out into the water, and verse 17 of chapter 1 says, Now, look who was orchestrating this whole thing. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish, not a smallmouth bass or a largemouth bass, not big enough, huge, great, giant fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish, listen to this, for three days and three nights. So Jonah ran from God. It cost him something. It took him down. It ended up being uh, forced off the side of the boat and into the water. And, 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 and one of the things I forgot to mention is this, running from God, it will also have an effect on other people. Because Jonah was in these other people's ship, and they were terrified. They were freaked out. They were scared. Jonah, what in the world have you done? Oh, I'm running from God. What? That's why all this is happening to us. So they throw all their cargo off, and, and, they, and eventually they let, they let Jonah go. And the storm eventually stopped for them. So running from God not only affects you, but it affects other people. So think about the choices that you and I make. Think about what you and I do with our time. Think about what you and I do with our, with our, with our life. Think about where we go. Think about what we are saying. Think about how we are acting. Think about what is going on and on in our little world. It does not just affect you. It affects others. It affects so many people. It's called the ripple effect. It happens. Whether you like it or not, whether you think it happens or not, your choices, my choices, good or bad, will affect other people. And when we run from God, it affects other people in a very negative way. And so God orchestrated this fish. Jonah's out in the water, in the seas. This huge fish swallows Jonah up. I mean, now you can't, this is real. This happened. I know it's crazy. Really? A man? A full-grown man living inside of a huge fish? Yeah, I know, it's weird. <laughs> but he's in the, in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. So God saves Jonah's life through a fish. Wow. Here's the thing. Sometimes God uses unusual and unconventional ways 
to get our attention, to save us, and to redirect our life. When, and oftentimes, sometimes even when we don't realize we're going in the wrong direction because we've gotten deaf in our ear to the voice of God, we've gotten callous in our heart to the leading of the Holy Spirit, that sometimes God will use unconventional and unusual ways to get our attention to redirect our life. And this certainly got Jonah's attention. He is in this dark place. So this place where Jonah's at, in the belly of this fish, this is his dungeon, if you will. This is his prison. This is his place of process. There's a time frame involved. Three days, three nights. The good news about the Bible, you read ahead, you know what happens. So, this is where he's at. Many a people have been in this place, this place of process, before they live out their purpose. Many a people have gone through walking through process before living out purpose. Moses was in the desert for many years before God called him out and used him to deliver Israel from the Egyptians to walk on dry ground through the Red Sea. He was in this desert. It was a place of process. Joseph, given the dream of God, he's going to rule and reign and be this big shot, did not realize he would have to go through the process of a prison before God promoted him to the palace, to where it's at the palace where his heart was right and he could look his family in the eye and be a salvation to them instead of a judgment to them. His heart had to change through process. David had to be in a cave, hide in a cave with some broken and discontent men while already anointed to be the next king but had to go through living in a dark cave before God allowed him to be officially recognized as the king of Israel and then surround him with brave and honorable men. He had to go through process. Rahab the prostitute this is crazy. Rahab the prostitute was used by, by, the, by the sovereign hand of God to hide two Israelite spies. And so doing, God saw her, changed her life, redeemed her, and then put her in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. What? Now that is a movie. Peter denied Jesus three times. Got to a place of loneliness and isolation, destitute within, and he was just like, I can't do it. I'm just going to go back to fishing again. Jesus himself coming to Peter after his resurrection, calling him to the side of the shoreline, pulling him to the side and telling him he loves him, and recognizing that really, Peter, you've got to admit, you love me too. I know you don't feel like it today. You feel like a disgrace. You feel like a disappointment. You feel like a letdown. But Peter, I'm here to tell you, I don't want you to worry about these other guys around you, John and these other fellas. So what? It's them and me. Right now, it's me and you. Peter, I'm reinstating you. I'm revalidating you to the work of the mission that I've called you in three and a half years ago. And Peter, here's what I want you to know. You're going to feed my sheep. You're going to take care of my people. 
And so Peter, his first sermon, guess what? He preaches on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, preaches his first sermon. 3,000 people get saved. How about that? For every thousand souls that are saved represents one of every time that Peter denied the Lord. So those are good odds. A thousand to one in the good direction. A thousand to one in the right way. A thousand to one reasons why Peter had to go through the process of a second chance. Because his denials, his three denials, led to 3,000 souls being saved in his first sermon. I think that'll make a preacher stick around a lot longer. That's pretty powerful. I deny the Lord three times, and yet just 50 days later he uses me, and, and I preach, and 3,000 people get saved. A thousand to one reasons why I need to go through this process, why I needed to go through what I went through. And why I need to trust God with my purpose. Why I need to trust God with my destiny. Why I need to trust God with my marriage. Why I need to trust God with my children. Why I need to trust God in my test. Why I need to trust God with my peers. Why I need to trust God with this relationship. Why I need to trust God in my workplace. Why I need to trust God with this diagnosis. Why I need to trust God with all of the haters and the naysayers and the enemies around me. Why I need to trust God in this process where I don't understand it all. I don't know how it's going to work out for good. But if I will trust God and I will walk through this process, then He will lead me to live out the purpose that He has for my life. It's what we do in the midst of the process of the second chance that determines the outcome of our purpose. How we treat it. How we handle it. And how we go through it. Which is why you and I, in this sad, sick world, cannot be in such a hurry to get somewhere. The great professor and theologian Dallas Willard said, Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life. A hurried soul is a cluttered soul. A hurried soul is a soul that's not at peace and not at rest in the hand of God working things out. I mean, can you imagine what Jonah was feeling? I mean, come on. He had to at, at, at first think, this is it. I want to die. This is over. I'm in the sea. And then, oop, a big fish swallows him. I mean, come on. It could have led to the fish pooping him out in the sea, and he was done with. But it's how Jonah handled this process of second chance that determined the outcome of his purpose. What did he do? What did he do? Well, in this process, chapter 2 describes that, and we're not going to go through its entirety. I'm just going to summarize that today, and that is this, these three things. First of all, this process of second chance that Jonah went through, you and I can learn from, and that is first and foremost, Jonah prayed. Jonah prayed. First eight, nine verses, oh, well, yeah, the nine verses, it shows Jonah's prayer. Here's what Jonah did when he prayed. It caught him to pray. Verse 1, though, first of all, says, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. Not, Lord, if you'll just get me outside, if you'll get me over, if you'll get me around this, if you'll get me under this somehow, on the other side, then I'll pray to you. Then I'll think about you. You know, it was while he was in the middle 
of it all that he prayed. He recognized, this is what he recognized, he recognized his reality. And Jonah's reality was this, I'm far from God. I'm sinking. I'm going under. I'm in trouble. I am not good. Things are not well with me. You you know those conversations that you rarely have with people when they're really good honest with you. Hey, how you doing? How's it going today? Uh, Most of the time, I'm good, I'm fine, right? But every now and again, you'll get stopped and you'll think, hey, how's it going? And you'll keep on walking and they'll pull you back. Well, I'm not doing so good today. Yeah, that's where Jonah was. He was not doing so good. I mean, come on, he's in the middle of the ocean in the belly of a fish. He is not doing well. He's fish food. He's not doing good. But he recognized his reality. And friends, if you and I are ever going to live out our purpose, we first have to recognize the reality of our situation, the reality of our heart, the reality of our life. God knew what he was doing. God knew that when he somehow got this fish to be where Jonah was going to be and swallow him up, but don't chew him up, don't kill him, but a big enough fish for him to be able to sit inside this, wherever he was in the process of this fish, to have the notion to think, I'm not good. I'm not good. And there are things that God will do for us that we don't understand. He is doing it to get our attention so that he can redirect our life. Amen? So Jonah prayed. He prayed because he recognized his reality, but that's not all he did. He also repented. He repented. Jonah recognized something. He recognized redemption didn't come from him (laughs) if I'm ever going to be saved out of this fish redemption is going to come from God Almighty himself and he even spoke the words in around verse uh, 9 he said I will offer sacrifices sacrifices were given at a time of repentance and humbleness and humility he says in salvation he said I recognize salvation comes from the Lord Jonah repented And he was able to repent because he recognized redemption didn't come from himself. He couldn't save himself. He got himself into the mess, but he couldn't get himself out of the mess. And friends, that's that's the great thing about the heart of God. We will get ourselves into some messes, but if we will recognize our reality, and we will repent and turn from and recognize redemption comes to me, not by me, but it comes from God and God alone, friends, the outcome changes. Because then Jonah promised. He prayed, he repented, but he promised. He promised the Lord. In verse 9, he told him, he said, Hey, I will fulfill my vows. Whatever you got for me, okay, Nineveh, whatever purpose you have for me now, I get it. I haven't been good. I did not do right. I handled this wrong. My heart was wicked and deceitful above all things, and I tried to hide. I tried to run from what you wanted me to do, and I thought I could have a good life over here, but doggone it, here I am in the middle of a big fish, and I am not good. I caused harm on other people that I did not intend to. I used them. I abused them. I manipulated them, and God, I'm sorry for all the things I did. And here's what I want you to know, God. I repent. I turn from that. And so whatever you got for me, I will promise to do what you have for me. 
He promised. He recognized a redirection. Recognize a redirection. He recognized his reality. He recognized redemption. And he recognized that God was redirecting his steps. Redirecting his life. So that is how Jonah went through this process of this second chance. You guys with me today? You guys still awake? I lulled a few of you to sleep. You must really need it. Here's the thing. God's process of second chances is about leading us to his purpose for our life. And so that's what we see in this picture. God's process of second chance is always about God's purpose being fulfilled. And here is the question for us today. What will we do with the second chance? First part dealt with how we handle it, how we go through it. The second component is when you go through it, then what will you do with it? What will you, be, what will you do when you're given a second opportunity, a second chance at a relationship, a second chance? In whatever aspect of life. What will you do? What will we do? Well, in closing, we see this in Jonah's life. Chapter 3. Verse 1 says, The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Spoke to him the first time. We see what happens. He ran from God and all these things happen. Second time, God spoke to him. Tells him the same thing. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, and deliver the message I've given you. Notice this, the purpose did not change because of the detour of Jonah's life. God's purpose for you is still there, even though you might have taken the wrong turns. And in your mind, you might be thinking, will God's purpose ever be fulfilled in my life? Because of what I have done because of my past, maybe like Peter, I don't deserve a second chance. Lord, you were right about me all the time. You saw that I was a denier, and I did it not once, but three times. You saw what was in me, but yet you still come to me at the, at, at the, at the, at the ocean's edge, and you have breakfast with me, and you reassure me you love me. And that really you get me to admit I really do love you too, even though I don't feel like it, and I shouldn't, but I, I do and God, I, I, maybe you feel like that. Maybe you found yourself feeling like that at times, that, man, I don't really deserve to be able to be used by the Lord. I mean, look at the, the history of my life. Look at the pattern of my choices. Look at the pattern of my behavior. Look at the pattern of my life and where it's gotten me. And you're at a place, and maybe you're thinking, man, I, I, don't, I think my prime has passed. My time has come and gone. I don't know that you can use me and trust me again, God. And here's the thing. God's heart comes to look for the lost sheep because he has purpose for the lost sheep, just like he has for the other 90 nine sheep who stay home. God has purpose for you. And he came to him a second time. God to Jonah a second time. Same purpose. Didn't change. Same expectation. Didn't waver. Same outlook. God giving Jonah a second chance. What did he do with it? Let's find out. This time Jonah... This time, 
get it this time. What are you going to do with this time? What will you do with this time? God comes to you. God delivers you. God saves you. God redirects you. God opens up doors for you. What will you do this time around? How will you handle this situation this time? How will you treat this person this time? How will you handle this scenario this time? How will you study this time? How will you act in a room full of peer pressure this time? This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord. Wow. You think? I would like to say I, I, I would if I had actually been swallowed up by a fish, swallowed by a fish, but here's the thing about the fish. It's, for Jonah, it was real. For you and I, it's figurative for today, for our life. We all have been swallowed by something. It's just maybe we didn't understand it or recognize it at the time. Or maybe we did, and we're like, well, hard-hearted, hard-headed, stubborn. I ain't doing it. Kind of like that Heather Land lady on Facebook. You've seen her using Snapchat, and she's got that weird face because of what Snapchat does. And look her up, Heather Land. It's not bad. At least I haven't run across anything bad yet. If you run across something bad now, blame it on somebody else. But anyway, her tagline about every video is, I ain't doing it. Mm-mm, I ain't doing it. I can't do her justice. She is funny. But it'll give you one a good laugh at some point in the day. Just do that. Maybe we've been like her. We're like, I don't care. I ain't doing it. Jonah had that attitude at first. But this time, the process of second chance redirected Jonah's life. And it opened his eyes up. This time, yeah, count me in. I'm going to do it. I'll give up what I need to give up, God. I'll surrender my whole heart. I'll surrender things. I'll surrender whatever. This time, you got my attention. I know last time, it was bad. Last time, I was really stubborn. Last time, I was self-righteous. Last time, I thought I could do whatever I wanted to do. Last time, I thought I could get away with it. But no, now this time, you got me, Lord. You got my attention. This time, I'm going to treat it right. This time, I'm going to do it well. This time, Lord. And so that's what Jonah did. This time, he obeyed. That's the disadvantage of a hardwood floor. This time, Jonah obeyed. And here's what he discovered. He went in and he preached to Nineveh. And he, and he realized God's purpose was bigger than he thought. Because Scripture t- tells us there in Jonah, it says that he took him three days to go through this big city. Three days to go through it. It was bigger than he thought. There were more people in it than he realized. And then by the time you get to the end of chapter 4, another little heart-to-heart scenario in, in, in context of communication with Jonah and the Lord, God ends the whole thing with telling Jonah, Jonah, there's 120,000 people who are spiritually dead who are living in spiritual darkness. I care for them. 
Jonah failed to see that God's purpose was bigger than what he thought. Look at this scripture in Ephesians 3. We often claim this in prayer because it's in a prayer that Paul prays. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him, it's about God. Paul saying to God, who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. He, God, is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. God's purpose for you and me is bigger than we ever could imagine because God is bigger than we can comprehend. And when we walk through process of second chances, it opens up our eyes to see, wow, I could have missed all this. I could have missed being a part of what you had for me. God, I'm so sorry that I gave up too soon. God, I'm so sorry that I let my flesh take control of me. God, I'm so sorry that I let my my slippery tongue speak evil where it shouldn't have. God, I'm so sorry I made a quick judgment call. God, I'm so sorry I got cynical over, over time. God, I'm so sorry I got judgmental over time. God, I'm so sorry I didn't give people the benefit of the doubt over time. God, I'm so sorry. And you see, you go through this process of second chance, and it changes you. And you begin to realize God's purpose for your life is way bigger than you could ever think. But it also did this for Jonah. He recognized and realized God's purpose is about people. Always has been, always will be. Now, does God care for all of his creation? Absolutely, but only one part of creation was created in his image and his likeness, and that was man and woman. That's it. God's purpose for us is about people. Look at this, closing verse, John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now hold it. Whoever believes. Broad is its doors. Narrow is its path. Broad is the gate of heaven. Whoever believes. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. God's purpose. Jonah realized this. God's purpose. It's about people. Now, peoples is peoples, right? And peoples do what peoples do. But it has never changed the fact of God's heart towards his people. That if one gets lost and wanders and strays, he's going to go and do everything he can. He'll go to great lengths to find that lost sheep and bring it home and restore the purpose in their life. And you know, that's what God wants to do through us, the church, today. He wants to use our life to give people the hope of a second chance. That's why we put, our, put names of people, name, a name of a person on a card with an identity that says this is what we're praying for, for them. Why? 
Because when you, have put, when you put a name on this card and, and when you pray and for other people, here's what it's doing. It's making room for God to be at work in that person's life as opposed to the work of the enemy, the devil, having a heyday in their life. When you pray and you believe and you have faith that God will do what he said he would do in these people's lives, you're making room for God to work. And friends, that's the season our church is in right now. We're praying and we're believing God to bring home the lost, to bring home the prodigals, to bring home that lost sheep. And you and I have a part to play in that, just like with Jonah. Jonah went on, preached, as you saw, did his purpose, opened up his eyes to realize life did not revolve around Jonah. Life revolves around God and what God wants to do in our lives. Amen? Let's bow our heads. I want to pray for us today. God Almighty, we come before you today realizing that you have a great purpose for our life. And at times we... We have tried to stay clear of that because of what it requires. We really want to say, yes, Lord, yes, whatever you want. But sometimes in our hearts, we don't want our lives to have to go that way because of what we know you require of us. But God, if we would just get past that and our eyes open and realize that your purpose for our life, that's what we were created for. You created us for a purpose and with a purpose. That we realize that we don't need to run away from anything. For you hold all the answers and you are eternal life. You are the way. You are the truth. That it is in you that we live and move and we really have our being in you. It's not about what is on this earth and that we can touch and hold with our hands and we can see with our eyes. You call those things temporal, temporary. They'll pass away. But he who does the will of the Lord will live forever. And that's what we want to be, God. That's the kind of people we want to be. Your heads are bowed. I want to pray for you today. If you're here today and you know, man, I have been running from God's purpose for my life. I'm not going to call you up here or any of that. I just want to pray for you where you are. If you'll just lift your hand and say, please, pray for me. I don't want to run from God's purpose. I don't want it to take me down the path that I just heard about in Jonah. I want to do what you've called me to do, God. Anybody here today? Say, here I am. I see your hand. Any others? I see your hand. I'm not talking about necessarily you try to run from relationship. You feel safe there, but at the same time, you know, I am not really on the path of the purpose God has for my life. Let me see you. Thank you. I see your honesty. More importantly, God sees right through and in your heart. Amen. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I thank you for these honest hands and honest hearts. Lord, I know we get busy and we get tied up and tripped up in a lot of different things in life as we're all guilty of at times. 
But some of us, God, have done so, so much that we've, we've strayed from the path. We've just decided to exit. And we're just thinking, I'm just going to hang here. But really, we're drifting further and further and further away. And today, God, as we honestly admit, we need you and we want to walk in your purpose. Today, I pray for these folks today who lifted their hand and acknowledged that, that God, you would show them that your purpose still wants to prevail in their life. That what you've created them for and what you have them here for still wants, you still have for them. That that dream is not dead. That that, that vision is not dead. That, that that thought in their mind that you put there however many years ago is not gone. All it requires is like Jonah, we turn to you and we recognize our reality as we have done today. And we repent. We repent, Lord. Forgive us, God, we ask, as you're so gracious at doing. But we truly, God, in sincerity, want to turn from the direction we've been going and go in the direction that you would have for our life. And redirect our life today, God. I pray today you would really redirect our life where it's not on point with you. Redirect us. Send us on the way that you have. And God, not, not just in thought, not just in knowledge, but in our heart and in our life. Let our life go in the direction that you would have for us, oh God. Not just in right standing with you in a relationship, but God, in right order of purpose for our lives. Holy Spirit, come. Give us faith to believe this. Give us a, a, a desired, a desiring in our heart. Give us a craving and a, and a hunger deep within where we've just kind of been standing on the side, spectating. Now you've called us to the field to be participators in this thing. Now give us the power and the wisdom and the, and the understanding that you bring by your Spirit now and help us, oh God, to engage in that. Help us to walk forward in that, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Everybody can say amen.